Welcome to Movies, Movies, Movies on Mornings with Bridie Tanner featuring Jack and Andre. (laughs) FBI Radio. Text in if you still love the social network. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, welcome into the studio. Thank Hello. you so much, Bree. It's so nice to be here. One year again. One year again. One year again. It's my first year. A year again. This has been a year. A year. Again. It's been a year. To this day, has it been? Yeah. Fifteenth. Yeah. Actually, this was a, one year well, ago. We had our first how show. How does that work? I don't know. Doesn't that? It's definitely the the fifty second week. So I guess that would be a year. But I don't know if it's exact. What's I don't understand today? time. But how I'm pretty sure we had work? our first show on the fifteenth of January. I'm out of time. I went and saw Tarkovsky yesterday. We're filmmakers. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, We're yeah, sculpting I... in time. <laughs> so what's coming up on the show today? Movie news. Award season in full swing. Two reviews of films that have been out for a while. Brexit. Top tens. <laughs> Jack and I talking about how much we love each other and doing the show. And also hoping that people are engaging. What a love. What a... Let's get into movie news then. Yeah. Movie oh, news. really quickly before we get into movie... Oh. <laughs> this cut off. Movie cut news. off. What were we about to say? No, I was just going to say text in uh, for what you're hoping on top tens of last year. Because... Obviously, we've missed New Year's Eve, Mm -hmm. but we're settling into the new year because this is our new year, Mm. I think. I mean, don't make Mm. any resolutions in the first two weeks. Ease Mm. into it. Mm. But what were your top ten of the last year? We're doing our top ten things that we reviewed this year. Mm -hmm. In Sydney Spotlight. Mm. Top ten movies or top ten anything? Top ten movies. I wish we reviewed other things on the show. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But let's do movie news first because I want to get it out of the way because I don't want to keep talking about this new Bob Fosse show on FX. Jack, take it away. Okay, so Michelle Williams and uh, Sam Rockwell are going to be in a new Bob Fosse show. If you don't know Bob Fosse, he did all that jazz. He's just like this kind of like a major, huge musical sort of, I would say queen, but he's the straightest gay man ever. And, and if is... you don't know Sam Rockwell, he won the Oscar for Best Actor last year for three billboards. But his he best of... role was always the bad Charlie's guy Angels. in Charlie's Angels and no one talks about it. Well, they do talk about it on we Last talk... of this and week. We, and we talk great. about it, yeah. But, and we talk about it. And that turn to Marvin Gaye is just the best moment in cinema with Drew Barrymore sitting there in the sheet. I'm happy that Michelle Williams is going to finally get some TV glory because I feel like she hasn't quite cracked into... Oh, no, wait. She was in Dawson's Effing Creek. Yeah, I'm but so she's behind. doing prestige TV. This is like her first prestige TV. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. This is the first case of, like, wanting to see straight roles played by gay characters. Mm, like, mm-hmm. I don't know why they couldn't just put, like... A... Kate McKinnon in this role and mm. like the guy from Love Simon as Bob Fosse. Speaking of prestige, it's been a week since the Golden Globes, and I've written on my hand, don't forget to talk about Fiji Girl because I thought she was the, the <laughs> ultimate Golden Globe event. And our mum hated her, dragged her. Really? Jamie Lee Curtis oh. did a huge press statement <laughs> about how she didn't want to just advertise and how she should have more consent in what's put behind her on a red carpet. For those who don't know, Fiji sponsored or had some sort of branding association with the Golden Globes. So as a result, they plonked a model in every single press shot of a celebrity at the Globes. She's in the background carrying a tray of Fiji waters. And this isn't surprising because Fiji water has been sponsoring shows for a while. If anyone watched Weeds back in the day, mm. that had a Fiji water bottle in every single shot. You'd see like <laughs> someone smoking a blunt and they'd just be drinking Fiji at the same time. It would never happen in real life. But that's also something that happened with Fiji. Amazing. You don't recognise that joke? <laughs> I didn't watch Weeds. Orange uh... is New Black. Every single inmate <laughs> had a Fiji bottle okay, of water. <laughs> there is a conspiracy with Gigi Cohen going on right mm, here. I, oh, 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 maybe Gigi there Cohen is. Gigi Cohen is literally bankrupt by Fiji water. Someone get on Wikipedia, type in Gigi Cohen Fiji water and tell us what's up. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is breaking news right here. Um, but also Glenn Close's like, outrageous win over Gaga, uh-huh. which was one of the highlighting moments of uh, getting really drunk and watching the award ceremony at my house. Also because Gaga is so good at doing the Golden Globes, 
famously last year, she, oh, maybe a few years ago when she won for American Horror Story, she basically whacked Leonardo to cap when he was sitting down as she was getting up to accept her award. But which you we see those loved. memes and they spin that. They spin that on him rolling his eyes and her walking past yeah. and they make her look bad. And I love that fake news. <laughs> I live fake for that. News. I live for that. But yes, Glenn Close did win Best Actress instead of Lady Gaga and I think we were all surprised but also Gaga was just chuffed to be there, I think. I think everyone was chuffed to be there, to be honest. Mm. Except for me because it was just kind of a boring ceremony apart from Sandra Oh. Yeah, I was going to say we can't not talk about the Globes without talking about Sandra Oh and Fiji Water and the Oscars aren't even going to have a host because mm. after the whole Kevin Hart controversy, and I know you were wanting to know which side of this controversy Andre and I are on. Yeah, and the side is that why is it so hard just to get a POC queer comedian to host the Oscars? That's all we ask for, and it's just not happening this year for some reason. I don't understand. It it's could, so weird. There's so many people to choose from. And my main thing about Kevin Hart is he's not funny. He's- so don't go see the new remake of the era... Wait, what is it? The era... Um, the Untouchables. The Untouchables. Yeah. With Brian Cranston in a wheelchair, Kevin Hart and Nicole Kidman. Also, and to end the whole Ellen DeGeneres, uh, Kevin Hart, buddying up to support Kevin Hart to host the Oscars, let's just remember that Ellen DeGeneres has hosted the Oscars like 15 times, so we don't need her take on the Oscars, okay? She's done, okay? <laughs> She's had her time to shine. <laughs> She's Ellen. We need someone else uh, to comment on the Oscar hosting scenario. So we're not going to have any hosts. So literally, The solution is like uh, the Oscars are owned by Disney, mm. and uh, Disney's just going to have every single member of the Avengers come and mm. present. Like, seriously? Yeah. I'm not kidding. Not kidding. Every not single kidding. I thought that was fake news. Just yeah. All the Avengers are going to come and present the Oscars. The Oscars is a joke. Where do you go for serious film criticism? And the answer is right here. Why can't they pick a cooler ensemble to come and present awards? The Oscars? Than, like, like Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> honestly, why haven't we got every single cast member from How I Met Your Mother presenting awards at the okay. Oscars? That no, describe that is that would match the relevance of the Oscars. I think. I think so too. <laughs> are we going to review first? We're we going to go to Cindy Spotlight. <laughs> I think we should review first. I think let's do reviews. We're going to go into reviews. Straight into reviews. Yeah, we're going to go straight into reviews after. After a huge track that talks about the theme of the reviews that we're doing this week. And we're going to leave the re- films we're reviewing a surprise. <laughs> oh, but while we look for the song, or are we going to go straight into it? Go straight into it right now. Cool, let's do it. You're going to announce the song? Oh, this is I Love London by Crystal Fighters. <laughs> Hello. 
one review. And then, and then another review. Two reviews. Two reviews. Two reviews. Two reviews. Two reviews. Welcome back to Movies, Movies, Movies. So, who's going to go first? With I'm going to go first, writing off that song. I'm reviewing Holmes and Watson, which is the gayest thing to come out of England and not star Ben Wishaw. But, look, even if that... Even that isn't enough. And I wanted to love this film. And uh, I don't know. I think it's always important to make your own mind mind up. To not just avoid films because of bad reviews. I know there's a lot of films and not much time. And it's expensive these days. But if you need to whittle down your choices, do it by not supporting pedophiles or creeps or racists like Bohemian Rhapsody or Green Book. But um, I don't know. I mean, so far I'm reading the wrong review. <laughs> reading the wrong review, Jack. <laughs> and uh, I need to quickly get up my <laughs> Let me so dive annoying. in. Let me dive in with some little backstory. <laughs> we went. Oh no, Jack's already back. No, I've got it. Um, you've seen it on buses. Will Ferrell and John C. Riley are back together with less Vampire Weekend and more Oscar Wilde, doing what they really love to do, which is show affection for one another. It's the gayest straight acting thing to come out of Britain since Ben Whishaw. There's wrestling. There's scat. Rebecca Hall shooting bullets. It's full on hard not to read all the heartwarming, smug as Emily Blunt, British-centric without British comedy films coming out as desperate pleas to reverse Brexit. But I think they're mostly putting more nails in the coffin. There's lots of scary movie humour leaning into comedy that doesn't really exist anymore. It's the most John Waters film to come out this year, and while it doesn't hit every joke, or even most of its jokes, it's just fun. Mainly because it's fun to be in a cinema where people walk out, and if you go this week, you'll probably have the whole cinema to yourself. For all its misses, Holmes and Watson hits so many bad taste markers that it's worthwhile seeing. Speaking of misses, not enough misses in this film, I think, even though there are two classic ladies in the front. Rebecca Hall's well, great. exactly right. But, um, like you said, Mrs. Trunchbull and that lady from Harry Potter is in it. Who is she again? Uh, same lady, Pam Ferris. She's the same in both. Right, right, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's in it and she she's... She's Miss Trunchbull and she's also the woman that, like, blows up in Prisoner of Azkaban. And she plays Queen Elizabeth in Holmes and Watson. Victoria. In, in kind of weird. Oh, Victoria, my, my mistake. <laughs> I don't know my history. Look, I'm the so same... So many queens to choose from this year between the favourite and this. Back to the film, though. I was the same as you. Jack and I went and saw this because it famously has been panned by critics. And I think we had a good time. I think we thought it was bad, but also, you know, like, we still watch Hannah Montana, so yeah. who knows, actually, what is good, what is bad, what is nice, what isn't. But I definitely wouldn't recommend the film, but I also don't think it deserves as much flack. I don't know what I'm saying right now, but that's kind of the know. vibe. Like, there was scat in it. It was funny. It was like, it was intense. It was kind of intense to watch. Like, there was parts where I actually felt like vomiting, and I can't think of a film that's made me do that except for The Favourite recently. It definitely is trying to do Bridesmaids and doesn't quite nail Bridesmaids, and I totally. loved how the week before you said that The Favourite was Bridesmaids directed by Stanley Kubrick, and I feel like this film was just uh, neither of those films. Yeah, so. I think it definitely is down to Eaton Cohen, the director, who's mm. not one of the Cohen brothers and mm. you can tell. Mm-hmm. In a word? Um, oh, scatty. Mm, confusing. Yeah. I'm reviewing Cold War, Polish film, getting all the awards ceremony, glory. So here we go. Something's got to give. Paweł Polakowski, a.k.a. the bootstrap bill of serious Euro fart. His films keep festivals packed, put the A in awards, and have everything to lose, like Ida in 2015, and his recent film Cold War 2018, which has been out for a while. His films show he doesn't have confidence to break away from conventions. They are meticulous at the expense of feeling, in my opinion. Cold War is basically Polish A Star Is Born. It's set during IMP curtain period. Man meets woman, they are hopscotch between both sides, they love, they fight, they break, they get back together, they gaslight, then there's fighting, and they're trapped in black and white four by three frames. And for someone who's a cinephile, the director of Cold War is kind of too superficial, like director Bradley Cooper in A Star Is Born, to allow for just awesome spontaneity or accidental personality in his films. His movies are very, very straight and frank. 
And this movie, Cold War, is really the mean minimalist Surrey Hills gay Ed Frieders judging your dorky ass for wearing trackies to an event after asking, are those pants Gucci? That is inspired by real life events. That's obviously inspired by real life <laughs> events, Andre. That sounds like your entire life. But a lot of people like this film. It's getting a lot of attention. And I liked this film. You liked this film a lot? And yeah, I thought I, it was great. I don't really see what you're seeing in it. I just think that I... I can't get involved in a film where I feel like it's made superficially and I feel like this movie was superficial because it was so pretty and nice and clean and because of that I feel like I was just watching beauty and models as opposed to watching feelings and personality and characters. I so disagree. I think everything in this film was like, I thought it was just so well cast. It's about his real life parents or his mother and her affair before she had him and so it's so, so personal and uh, like, I'm not going to give away the end, but you realise, like, it really hits you at the end, this film. I, I don't really see how it was superficial apart from the framing, which I thought was gorgeous and eccentric and a bit Instagram. Mm. And uh, I thought it really was the first film I saw about being behind the Iron Curtain that felt like the stories I've heard from my friends who are Polish. Like, mm. how it was horrible. Like, it's not the same as living through a war and it's not the same as living under, like, a, I don't know. It's just, it doesn't try and wrench your heart in a way. It's just, like, quite frank. and. Mm how it, it does suck to have these rules placed on you. And it's not nice to live under, like, a government like that. And it's effect on your love life, it's effect on your psyche, but it's also, like, full of life and fun and dancing. Admittedly, and the, the first few scenes have a lot of um, the Polish dancing or the traditional dancing that happens yeah. in, the, in the context of the film, and they are beautiful performances. But that carries through the whole way through. Like, there's so much music in this film. Like, it's way more music than Star is Born, and it all feels, like, kind of authentic, I think. Mm. And I just think, yeah... It's quite a beautiful film. I really didn't want to go see it. I don't know why. I thought I was like, oh my god, this is going to be another one of those films, those prestige Oscar bait mm. European films that we're supposed to like give our diversity quotas to and go and see. But I ended up walking out, and it was just like such a beautiful experience. It just felt like to me, I was watching like an orchestra, and that was all, and it was nothing else. There was no like. Yeah, it was a little bit STC. A little bit. It's very STC, but also people love it, and I think that's great. And it is a stunning film in its own right. Okay, let's what would stop you talking. Give it in a word. Orchestra, 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 and I don't want to hate orchestras, but I do at the moment. <laughs> yeah, choir. If that's not for you, yeah. don't go see it. It's a choir film. It's a choir film. That's what it is. In a church uh, with echoes. Hmm. Let's jump into City Spotlight now. Cool. Sydney Spotlight. Today we are going through our fave moments of the past just year. Top ten. Because we love how David and Margaret play their bloopers when they go to film festivals, and they just are always cocking up, and it just shows their friendship. And that's what Jack and I are all about. And that's what cinema's about. We're all about bloopers this year. We're all about bloopers. Cinema is about creating friendships and creating connections and getting in the way. And if anyone wants to text in their fave films of the year or their top ten films, if you yeah. can have time, oh four. Oh, I've already forgotten the number. Oh four oh nine nine four five nine four five. You got it. But I might go first if that's okay, Jack. Was there anything that you? just like stood out to you Brie this year that you were like oh my god actually you've got a whole holiday based on one film that you saw I'm assuming <laughs> yeah I think so wait Brie are you going to Sri, Lan- Sri Lanka because you love the MIA documentary so much oh uh, wow no not really but it definitely did uh, influence my decision I guess mm. it was such a beautiful documentary definitely my favourite one I would say on. It's my number ten when I in my top ten list. So number ten for me was the MIA documentary. Should we go and do a number ten and work our way up together yeah. rather than doing uh, each list? Ten's the uh, the lowest number and yeah. one is the hottest. So your lowest number was the MIA Matangi. Yeah, actually no, you do your ten. Number ten, MIA Maya Matangi MIA. 
you know, honestly, it's a movie about art, about industry bullshit, cinema, expression, ways of thinking, and I think I loved it for that. And I love MIA, objectively. Yeah. Uh, number nine, Tully. This is my American indie pick for the year. I've been obsessed with this film for the past year. I'm a Diablo Cody stan, and I can't deny it. Number eight is my second favourite American indie of the year, The Miseducation of Cameron Post, Desiree Akhavan's queer film about... Um, I was about to say queer concentration camps, but that's kind of what they feel like. That's what con- they feel like. Conversion and this therapy film actually camps. got that rather than Boy Erased. Number seven is Unsane, the Steven Soderbergh film shot on an iPhone. Everyone, if you don't know anything about movies, just type in Steven Soderbergh into Google and just let your cinephilia blossom. Number six was a film that came out for one day in Australia, The Strangers 2, Night of Prey, which no one saw for <laughs> some reason. so good. And it's amazing. It follows up from the most underrated horror film of ever. And it's a family holiday movie where they actually play cards, which is what people do. I heard it was do. Matthew McConaughey's favourite ever film. Oh, okay. Newfound respect for Matthew McConaughey. Number five is a tie between Ass, Nash, Nation and Climax, which are my two extremist films of the year, cool. and Convo Starters and Friendship Enders. Number four, <laughs> Four is The Kindergarten Teacher, which I was really hot hoping to, that choice. Maggie Gyllenhaal would get a Best Actress nom in some, she deserves it. In some award show, but she hasn't. But I think maybe because it was only Netflix and you have to have a cinematic release. But let me just say, okay, for all you guys wanting some haterade, Netflix has some BS rules about award shows and award ceremonies. It's not ceremonies. Netflix, it's the... Oscars. I know, but but Roma bypassed those rules. Um, because they fought for it. Because they fought for it. Anyway, I just... Ugh, whatever, I just hate Roma. <laughs> Number three, <laughs> you were never really here. I think about this film every single day. If Bridie was here, she'd be able to vibe with it, but it's Lynn Ramsey's masterpiece and it's it changed me. Number two is an Australian film, surprise, the Grumble documentary. Oh my god! And it's just exhilarating and if you have a... Oh, s- this is so annoyingly similar. Oh, don't say that. <laughs> no, you keep going. And it's just a, a movie with a soul. And then my favourite movie of the year is Still Love, Simon, because to quote our fave fan Neil it's about a kid who comes out to his parents while opening his Christmas presents and their Bose headphones I mean who can relate (laughs) (laughs) that's a beautiful top 10 it's super similar to mine I'm gonna start mine at number 10 which was 8th grade which I thought was like the lord of cinema this year oh it was just beautiful it had lord it had gay best friends it had awkward did it have lord in it no but the older girl who's like in year 9 of the new school looks a little bit like lord yep 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 yep, yep. who talks to her on the phone I could relate yeah obsessed with being her like older sister um, don't worry, he won't get hard, far on foot. He won't get hard on foot. He won't get hard on foot. He definitely won't anymore, but he definitely does get hard. Joaquin Phoenix gets hard in this film. I got but this goes fan. to Jonah Hill playing a gay character, the only Kate Blanchett gay that I'm going to allow this week. Yeah. Oh, that reminds me, we should see Jack Black nominated for an award for supporting actor, because that film And honestly, supporting actors should only be allowed to be nominated for supporting actors if they're on screen for like under 10 minutes, and Jack Black definitely was under 10 minutes in this film. Um, Unsane was, it came in at number eight, uh, the most maligned film of the year that actually was the most experimental, shot on an iPhone, shot in like a week, shot with like some of the best actors doing the most intense improv. Mm. I loved it. It also felt super relevant because they made it so quickly. It was able to kind of like talk about stalkers, talk Mm. about Me Too, talk about imbalance of power and take it to the next level in a way that we're not getting in films that much, except for like the favorite. Honestly, the favorite and Unsane go together really well. Um, number seven was My Friend Dharma, which was an out-of-time, timeless mm. film. That's my indie pick. I love that film as well. I should have put that in there. I'm surprised that My Friend Dharma wasn't in your list, uh, mm-hmm. but you had The Kindergarten Teacher, which is on the same wavelength. Number six, another film that I'm surprised wasn't in your list, was A Fantastic Woman. Oh, okay. No, admittedly it was, but I thought, that was, I thought we'd spoken about it a bit too much. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so we've like, we'd like a... Yeah. yeah, but A Fantastic Woman just had yeah. the suspense that I wanted this year. It was, like, really frank, upfront, and magical. Um... 
number five goes to Girl Gangs, and it's a tie of four films, Assassination Nation, Mamma Mia 2, Ocean's 8, and Suspiria. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Number four, I had The Favourite, uh, just for Rachel Weisz, honestly. Haven't she's not going to win any yet. awards, but she's amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, number three was Gurumal, which I just thought was by far the best Australian film in the last decade, mm-hmm. and also criminally underseen. Oh, and better than Swinging Safari? Uh, better than uh, better than breathe, <laughs> breath. Um, breathe. Is it breathe or breath? Uh, number two is the MIA documentary. It was only released this weekend for two nights only. If you didn't make it, I don't know what to say to you, other than uh, distributors should be ashamed of themselves. You're listening to you listen to FBI. You need to, need to, to go see MIA. It. Uh, it's like all about Danny Lim, R. Kelly, and MIA this week, and mm. you need to get behind the things that matter. And number one is You Were Never Really Here. Cool. Just for the ultraviolence, just for Lynn Ramsey, oh and gosh. just for the friendship ending mm. plot of it all. Actually, truly. Um, but special mention to Winchester. Ah, oh, Winchester, <laughs> the film that no one saw. The film that no one saw with Helen yes, Mirren. Yes. What a gorgeous film. That was a beautiful list, JB. I loved the fact that you squeezed in My Friend Dharma because I didn't even know where to place that in my canon of 2018 because I loved it so it's much. It's out of time. It's out of time, and I really honestly think that in 10 years' time it'll be looked back on as a classic or a cult. Mainly because of Anne Heche. Yeah, Anne Heche is wildly underrated. We're only just seeing the start of her. Such a superlative film. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going away for three weeks, you guys, but we have some beautiful special guests who are going to replace me. And then when we get back, we're going to have a totally beautifully transformed we're have this segment. Transformed show, new yeah. stings, new, year, new ideas, new, 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 new movies. To suddenly talk about. thirty when I get back, and we're going to be gorgeous and full of ideas and, and thriving. Actually, going to Rotterdam, which is one of the coolest experimental film festivals in the world, to be a film critic. I've been describing it as the monophoma of film festivals in Europe. So if that gives you an idea where I'm going. I'm jealous. We'll do, yeah. some, we'll do some live crosses. Uh, RIP oh. me on that 21-hour flight. <laughs> well, we'll see you next week, Jack. Yeah. And see you, Andre. In a month. In a couple, couple weeks' time. That's Thank true. you for a great year. <laughs> we <laughs> love you guys. This podcast is produced by FBI Radio in Sydney. Find more at fbiradio.com slash podcasts.